Kasky hits this one deep to left field. This has a chance. This ball is gone. It's a walk-off home run. Now Caleb driving left side alley-oop to Nelson. Throws it down with two hands. Raiders make the handoff. Keeps it running left. He's across midfield. 40, 30, 20, 10. Jalen Rayner to the house. Welcome to the Second to None podcast. The A-State Podcast, presented by First National Bank and Kavanaugh Auto Group. Now, here's Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. Coming up, busy week for the A-State basketball teams. Indoor track and field also back in action. Tennis with a couple of matches at home this past weekend. But a special guest was in town, and we wanted to get him into the studio. Former A-State baseball standout and current member of the... World Series Texas Rangers organization, World Series champion ah, see, Texas you, Rangers organization. You tried organization. to get one in and you botched it. <laughs> but I get, hey, I understand. Lack of practice. <laughs> well, I am kind of geeking out today just because he's uh, one of 10 current members of the Rangers farm system to be invited to Major League Spring Training coming up here in the next couple of weeks. It's our buddy Liam Hicks. How you doing, Liam? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, We're glad to have you in, and uh, we mentioned the invitation to Major League Spring Training. What was your reaction when you found out that news? It was just an honor. Yeah, I wasn't really expecting anything like that, really didn't have any expectations, but really excited for it, and it's a really good opportunity to show how hard I've been working this offseason, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, so let me dive into it. Wasn't expecting it, didn't have expectations. Is that legit? I wasn't expecting it. Is it... I literally hadn't even thought about it, or is it I wasn't letting myself think about it in case it didn't happen? I mean, just kind of how did you approach it? How did you even approach mentally maybe going to big league spring training? I think it's the third one you said there, that uh, (laughs) I really wasn't letting myself think about it. Obviously, I knew it was a possibility. After the fall, I thought, oh, I've kind of put myself on the map a little bit. Maybe maybe I'd get an opportunity, who knows, but I really didn't want to focus on that and get my expectations super high for that and then not have it worked out. So I'm really now just happy for the opportunity and looking forward to it. All right. You mentioned the fall. I'll go ahead and bring that up right now. You played in the Arizona Fall League. At one point, Liam had base hits and nine straight at bats. During that span, he had the first six hit performance in the Arizona Fall League in 14 years. Have you ever been in a zone quite like that? No, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely takes a little bit of luck, too. Can't take all the credit there. Definitely some hits there that I wouldn't show other people. (laughs) But uh, So let me ask. All right, so help me out here. You you go nine straight at-bats with a hit. So in a six-for-six game. So what six were those six in relation to the nine? Like, was it that six and three more after? Was it three before that and then six? How'd it go? It was the six and then... Three more the next game. So yeah, it was six singles in the in that one game. Then I think I actually had a day off because in the fall league, you're not playing every day. So I had a day off. Then the next game, three for three to start the game and then a walk. So by even in a six for six game, let's say by the time you're up there and you're already four for four, especially when you're up there and you're already five for five, like are you having to... Swing at some balls. I mean, I, why are they throwing you strikes? Is it singles or not? Why are they pitching to you? Did you have to expand your strike zone a little bit? Honestly, I'm usually a very patient hitter, but 
I find that whenever you kind of get locked in or get a little more confidence and the swing's feeling better, you feel like you can hit more pitches. So maybe I'm not waiting for that one pitch right down the middle and I'm going to, I wouldn't say expand my zone, but I'm going to swing at something a little more on the corner. And I know I can still drive it. Start looking like a beach ball? (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) How long does it take to adjust to the wooden bat? Because you're using a metal bat forever. Once you go to the professional level, there's got to be an adjustment period to the wooden bat. I'd say there definitely is an adjustment, yeah. I grew up in Toronto, and we'd actually use wood bats growing up. So I was used to them. And then once I got to college, it was actually an adjustment to go to the metal. A good adjustment. It was easier. (laughs) But then also I played summer ball for two years with wood bats. So I was, I was sure fairly familiar. Yeah, I was fairly familiar, but it definitely was because it's a big uh, change. You got to figure out what type of model you like, like where do you like the weight, something that I had never really thought of because at school we're just given a metal bat. You have one company that you have to use and pick like two. That you did like. I determine back at the beginning that you go, you know, I grew up in Toronto. We Did I determine you almost said we use maple bats? <laughs> You I could. thought it was almost like an M, and I thought like you said wooden bats. I thought it's like I some kind of rule thinking, they all got to be maple there. No, we got maple and birch. <laughs> well, let's talk about Canada. You grew up there from the Toronto area, right? Were yeah. you actually in Toronto? Yeah, we're actually, right in the city. Yeah. When did baseball become part of your life? Was that the main sport for you? Were you a hockey player at some point? Yeah, I played hockey up until. I think 10th or 11th grade, but that was definitely my main sport, hockey, growing up. I liked hockey the most. Then kind of when I got probably to high school, I started realizing I was spending more time enjoying baseball. To me, it was a little cooler because a little, little more unique. Everyone that I grew up with played hockey. Only a handful of my close friends actually played baseball. I started finding myself enjoying practicing more hockey. I never really loved the practice, but baseball, yeah, I just fell in love with it. What about Canada's national game, which is not hockey? It's lacrosse. Is the national sport of Canada? It eh? is not. I don't believe it. Is that right? It is. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. I think. Uh, yeah, I think it was invented in Canada. One summer, I went to a, a lacrosse camp, so I've got some experience. But I'd prefer baseball. No curling. <laughs> no curling. Never. Never tried it. Never tried it. No. no. Okay. This is a random thought here. <laughs> Are there any similarities? in your baseball swing and a slap shot. I've got asked that question before. I think there's got to be some just because I'm left-handed in both. But to be fair, I was a goalie growing up in hockey. So I wasn't really shooting that much. All right. So I guess you could say like the glove catching being a goalie is similar to baseball glove, I guess. I, I bet there's more. I think there are probably more similarities between a hockey shot and a golf swing. There are some similarities there. Happy I mean, Gilmore could tell I, but you But I've actually yeah. heard, like, even, I mean, I've seen videos before where, like, Rory McIlroy was just kind of fooling around with some guys, some amateurs, and he literally used, like, hitting a slap shot as a comparison to kind of what they're supposed to feel in the golf swing. You said you were primarily a goalie, and you got the, the big mitt in goal, but you're also a catcher. So what are the comparisons there, being a, a goalie and a baseball catcher? A little similar, actually, yeah. I definitely think just the hand-eye coordination – the flexibility, that type of stuff, the wear and tear on your body. It's a little tougher in those two positions. But I definitely think going into baseball from being a goalie, I was definitely more drawn to being a catcher from that 
And the willingness that makes to sense. sort of, yeah, the willingness to stand on your head to keep something from getting past you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the willingness to kind of be a little bit different than everyone else on the field or on the ice and, uh, yeah, willing to work a little bit harder maybe. All right, so you're going to Major League Spring Training, and uh, I know you report on the 14th. That's less than two weeks away. So here you are in the final days before you go to Arizona in Jonesboro, back where you played college ball. So why come back here to get ready? I really like the staff here, and I like the facilities here. I'm able to do what I need to do to get ready, and I really enjoy that. I went to a camp in Arizona a couple weeks ago for two weeks, and I, I like going out there, but then coming back here, I really like working with Drew Labounty, the hitting coach here. Me and him have a really good connection. He knows my swing really well. So I like working with him and kind of getting his eyes and seeing some stuff. And as for the facilities, they have all the machines I need. And I kind of like a little one-on-one time and getting everything I need instead of a giant group. Take me step-by-step step, the levels you've been at professionally and at each one kind of talk to me how the pitching improves. Like when you get here, this is what they do different. Have you seen pitching as you've progressed? How has the pitching progressed that you've had to face? Okay. Yeah, for sure. I'd say when I started off, I was in the Arizona league complex league, and that's mostly some really young guys who have electric stuff. They got signed for a reason. They can throw really hard or they have a certain pitch. That's really good. They're still learning. They're all over the place. So that's a tough league to hit in because you might not see a lot of strikes or you might see a guy that's just on fire that day and he's throwing 101 <laughs> and then the next guy you might see is throwing 88. Uh, got called up to low A. It's sim- a little similar. Guys with electric stuff, a little bit better command, maybe an idea of where it's going. I'd say high A then is a little bit more advanced too. And then double A. It's a little crazier because you'll get a prospect on one day who you know is going to be in the big league soon, throws really hard, has really good stuff, really close to being in the big leagues. And then the next day you could get a guy who's spent five years in the big leagues and he's got experience. He might not have the stuff, but it's a whole different thing with his command and his pitchability and the mental side of it. So. It's been co- pretty cool ride and just seeing how the pitching's changed throughout the, each level. You get to see guys. I mean, you have to face guys kind of go from throwers to pitchers. Like, That's a great that, point, yeah. I'd imagine, yeah, so yeah, location, the psychology of it. You can tell you, like, and I believe that about double A because, I mean, to your point, like a lot of times an organization's biggest guy, prospect-wise, maybe in double A might not go to triple A. I mean, you see guys go from double A to the show if it's a you know, big-time guy, so – yeah, you can face them. It's either they're on their way there or they've already been. Yeah, in AAA now especially, there's the automated strike zone. So I think some teams might not want to send their guys straight to AAA to just to deal with that and then go to the big leagues. I think sometimes they're more willing to go from AA to the big leagues so they don't have to worry about the automated strike zone when they know that's not going to be in effect in the well, big that leagues. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, and we were talking about it even before we started recording today, the Rangers have always been my favorite team, favorite organization. So it was cool to kind of pay attention this past year, knowing you were in the organization and paying attention to what you were doing in Frisco. But there were some really cool moments for you last year. Corey Seager did a rehab stint in Frisco this past season. And 
you were in the lineup with him. How cool was that? Definitely a cool experience. Definitely the probably the best player I've ever played with or in the same lineup as me. So definitely a really cool experience. Obviously, he was rehabbing there, so didn't get to see him for too long. But it was cool just to kind of see how he prepares for a game, pregame. Obviously, he's been through so many. Really cool. He's a really intense guy, so I didn't really, really want to bother him too much. But it is cool just kind of see how he works and uh, what he does pregame. So you're going to go to big league camp having you know not been to AAA yet, right? So what's it going to be like? And I know I don't think you're going to struggle with it, but here we talk about it anyway. Like it, you're going to walk in this clubhouse with the defending World Series champs. How hard or how much do you have to kind of convince yourself that they're your coworkers? A little bit for sure. Uh, it is a really big honor, especially because they just came off the World Series. It's really cool. I know there's going to be like a ton of media and stuff. But I also got to remember, like, it's the same game I've always played. It's no different. Players might be a little bit better, but I've got a lot of confidence in my abilities and know how good I can be and how hard I work. So I definitely am excited to kind of see the comparison and kind of prove myself. Well, and being around a little bit now, too, just being in the organization the last couple of years. Yeah, you're going to walk in there and say, hey, there's Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and Adolis Garcia, and look over there, there's Max Scherzer. But then you see a guy like Evan Carter, who you've played with, and you know that he's made that same leap that you have. And his story, just one of the more amazing ones that you'll ever see in baseball. He was a guy that in early September was in the minors. And then six weeks later, he's batting in the three hole for the World Series champion. So, and he's a guy you've got to know a little bit. Yeah, definitely played with Evan for four or five months this year. And I mean, amazing player and a more amazing person. I know that gets thrown around a lot, but he really is exactly how you see in every interview with him is the type of person he is. Just super down to earth, great guy and a great player. But yeah, exactly what you said. A lot of the guys that are also going to be in camp are guys that I've played with or got to know throughout the minors, spent some time in minor league spring training with. So it definitely helps knowing that there's going to be a bunch of guys that I do have good relationships with there. Your baseball reference page says you're a catcher, first baseman, and second baseman. So I ask you, like, what are you or kind of what's been the split of what you've played defensively so far professionally? Definitely I'd refer to myself as a catcher. I think second base is just from college. I haven't played any professional second base. I'm open to it, but I don't <laughs> I don't think they're interested in that at all. But last year, I'd probably catch a few games a week and then probably play one or two at first base throughout the week as well. So I like playing first, too. It's nice on like an off day when you're not catching to actually, I prefer to be in the field rather than just a DH. So I like that, but catching is always going to be my favorite i want to talk about catching being a professional catcher maybe versus a college one i guess for in terms of handling a pitcher or calling the game is that like is that a skill set you have to develop or what's that like huge i think the mental that kind of side of the game i had i did not really know much in college about obviously i watched a ton of baseball but we had our coach calling every pitch when i was at a state then getting into professional baseball you got to call every pitch they're not giving you any help or telling you what to throw they don't want that they want you to learn so we spent a ton of time learning on how to do scattering reports on other teams 
how to do scattering reports on the own, your own pitcher you're catching, how to learn what they throw, how to communicate with them. So I think that has been some of the biggest growing that I've done as a catcher. Obviously, the physical stuff's huge, but just learning the game, the Rangers catching system really prides themselves on that. So it's it's been really cool to learn. I'm sure dealing with different personalities, too. I mean, you've got these different pitchers you're working with every single day. And, you know, some guys may be going with everything you call and then other guys may shake you off a little bit more, right? A hundred percent. I know some guys love to do their own scouting reports and we'll we'll have a game plan before you even meet with them. And then some are just going to completely trust you to do your scouting report and are just going to listen to whatever you call. And then also, yeah, in-game situations too. Some guys you're going to need to get on them, kind of fire them up a little bit. And then some guys you're going to have to calm down. Heart's going to start racing and they're going to be going a million miles an hour and it's your job to kind of get them back. I'm sure the pitch clock kind of cuts down on some of the shaking off now. It does, but it's also, you got to be quick. So if they do want something different, you got to be able to know exactly what the next pitch you're thinking of is. It makes it really important to be on the same page. You ever given a guy the second pitch you really wanted to put up because you thought he would shake it off, then you can go to what you really wanted to throw anyway? (laughs) No, I haven't tried that. Usually we got a pretty good relationship. All right. So I do want to go back and talk about something we really haven't talked about to this point in this conversation, and that's your time at Arkansas State. You had spent a couple of years at Mineral Area College before you came to Jonesboro. You were here two years, but you really didn't play two full seasons because 2020 you were here and you played 16 games before COVID canceled the rest of the year. You had a fantastic season in 2021, hit 344. Went back, I saw your on-base percentage was 464. It reminded me of Zach George's senior season when he reached base every single game that year. I think he ended his career on a 58-game on-base streak. But when you go back and think about those two years here at Arkansas State, what do you think about? Definitely just all the memories I made, all the connections, all the friends, people that I still talk to to this day. I got a group chat with a ton of guys that I played with that are still some of my best friends. So I'd say that the baseball was awesome, but just meeting them and having my girlfriend I met here. So I'd say meeting a ton of people that I still talk to and still love to this day was kind of the biggest thing. And Coach Raffo, I remember sitting down with him and before the season starts every year, We go through and he kind of gives me a scouting report on everybody on the roster. And I remember before you ever took an at-bat at A-State, he said, professional hitter. That was his first comment about you, was he knew you had an approach of a professional hitter before you even played a Division I baseball game. So who do you credit for that? That's tough to say. I I think uh, I know how much work I've put in, so I like to kind of Take credit myself. Well, sure. Uh, You should. Yeah, growing up, I never really had a specific hitting coach or someone that taught me. But when I got to A-State, I did struggle a lot in the fall. It was was a tough adjustment. I was coming off a summer ball where I I did really well. And then the fall was really rough. So Drew Labounty really helped me with my swing. Coach Guarno as well. And then Raffo, too. I think they really instill what it takes to be a professional hitter in the fall. So they're going to talk about walk-to-strikeout ratio, hitting line drives. Obviously, the Tom is a really hard place to hit, homers. Mm-hmm. So you really need to focus on staying level through the zone, hitting 
head high line drives. So I got to give them credit as well. I think that helped me a lot. That's interesting that you talk about the Tom in the way you need to hit there. Has that served you well as a professional? Because I'd also see where you go, well, they wanted me to change because you just, everybody talks now, it's launch angle and exit velo and all that stuff. So, I mean, did they still want line drive hitters or people tried to tinker with you? They still want line drives for sure. That's always, line drives will always play. They do want more power out of me too. Like I know I have the ability to drive the ball and hit more homers, but I just haven't up to this point. So that's still something I'm working on to this day, being able to drive the ball with authority extra base hits are better than singles so i'd always prefer an extra base hit but yeah if you're uh, going six for six though singles are okay i'll take that too yeah there's some guys that obviously if you hit more singles they're gonna add up as well and i think regardless of sport right it's easy for a division one athlete to say yeah i'm gonna play professionally and heck if we're being honest he and i have had athletes sit in that chair who quite honestly didn't have a backup plan but for you, like, kind of when did that go from, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a kid, so I'm going to be a major league player, to when did, like, all of a sudden, like, you really saw, hey, being a professional baseball player is something that can happen, and I want it to? That's a good question. It's kind of weird, because in high school, all I wanted to do was play college baseball. I didn't even care, like, D1, D2. I just wanted to play college baseball. Then I went to JUCO, played well, and I was like, now I want to play Division One baseball. Then I went Division One. Then I started playing, saw how I stacked up, and I was like, I think I can play professionally. And now professional baseball, and it's like, now I want to be in the big leagues and stick around and play for a long time. So I'd say I really didn't think about professional baseball at all until junior college, my second year, starting to like having a really good year and starting to talk to scouts and realize like, oh, they're kind of talking to me. They're a little bit interested. This is this is something new. Is this actually a possibility? And I'd say that was kind of eye-opening. And then when I got to A-State, my goal was to make it to the next level. Or you're doing it. It's awesome to see you on this journey, watching from afar, and to see you do what you did in the fall and now get the invite to Major League Spring Training. It's fun to watch. Couldn't be more proud of you. Keep it going, man. We want to watch you for a long time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I want to play for a long time, and uh, I love coming back to Jonesboro. And I appreciate all the support I get when I come back. You know what I want him to do? I want him to obviously do well. I mean, he's going to be one of my top one or two favorite players in baseball. But I can't wait for the day that uh, you spend your off seasons coming back and working out at Liam Hicks Field <laughs> or uh, the Liam Hicks Ballpark. We want to get, you know. With the turf field. Liam yeah, Hicks yeah, turf the field. Liam Hicks turf field. So that's what I say. We, uh, I'm pulling for you anyway, but now I'm really double, triple pulling for you to stick in there long enough to get that big fat contract. <laughs> that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> if it happens, we'll get a new indoor, everything new. Yeah. That'd, that'd be, that'd be great. That's Liam Hicks joining us here in studio. We've got more to come here on the Second to None podcast presented by First National Bank and the Kavanaugh Auto Group right after this. Get huge savings now at every Kavanaugh dealership. Kavanaugh has a great selection of late model, low mileage, certified pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And most are still under factory warranty. We have every make and every model, so you're sure to find the vehicle you want. And when you buy at Kavanaugh, Every new and used purchase comes with one year of free maintenance. Plus, we buy cars. Bring a vehicle, get a check. 
Come see us today at one of our dealerships or go to KavanaughCars.com. This is Coach Brian Hodson, and I'm asking you to help our A-State student-athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our student-athletes by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access. Find out more and give today at ImpactClub.com. That's Impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com your support makes a real difference in the lives of our student athletes wolves up. we continue along here on the second to none podcast presented by Kavanaugh auto group and by first national bank where they put you first always busy week for the basketball teams and a really good week for both basketball teams speaking of first national bank at first national bank arena it was the men picking up a couple of Big victories. They avenged a couple of road losses from here in the last couple of weeks. Wednesday night, they took on Southern Miss, a team they lost to by three in Hattiesburg two weeks before. Of course, Coach Hodson's team coming off that disappointing loss at ULM on Sunday where they couldn't close out the game after they led. Well, it turned out to be over 41 minutes (laughs) of that ball game. Look, I I thought this was a really important game because – A-State played well. They came out playing well, and they're up 13 with over five minutes to go. But then Southern Miss goes on a 10-0 run to get to within three. With 2.42 to go in that game, Brian Hodson called a timeout. And it seemed to really just kind of settle things down at that point because they came out of that timeout, and the final 2.42 of that game A-State did not allow another point. They go on to win it 78-71. And just really important to close out a game like that because that had been kind of the talking point coming out of the ULM game, just not being able to do that in tight games. Well, two things. Closing the game out, like you said. And then the other thing is, I think, you know, showing somebody, proving to someone, and maybe – uh, in some cases, even proven to ourselves that we can beat you more than one way. We don't have to come out and hit 15 threes to win because eventually, like you said, people are smart. Like they're going to eventually, somebody's going to come along and not let you hit 15 threes against them. Southern Miss did not. So found other ways to get the win. Yeah. And rebounding was a big key going in. You go back to the game in Hattiesburg two weeks before Southern Miss had out rebounded the Red Wolves by nine. A State was plus 11 in the game on Wednesday night on the boards. That rebounded the Golden Eagles 43 32. And then you also go back to the game in Hattiesburg. The Red Wolves were outscored in the paint 26 12. A State then outscores Southern Miss 44 26 in the paint in the game on Wednesday. And there were some good individual performances. Caleb Fields with 27 points and eight assists. Darian Ford with his second straight double-double finished with 13 and 10. And then Isaiah Nelson, he was in foul trouble, but in just 19 minutes, he still had a double-double, 11 points, 12 rebounds, and three block shots. So really important to pick up that win against Southern Miss. And then on Saturday, ULM was in here. And you talk about being able to get that bad taste out of your mouth from Sunday. You don't really ever see games this closely scheduled together. But to be able to play Sunday in Monroe, you lose the heartbreaker, and then to be able to face them again the following Saturday. Except for the you know the COVID year, right? Yeah, well, we played back-to-back, back-to-back games. Yeah. 
That was something I'm, I'm thinking we'll never see I, again. I, I agree with that. I love the way the men came out in this game, got up 7 nothing out of the gate, and never trailed. Led by as many as 26 in the second half. The shooting was just fantastic all day long. 60% from the field for the game. They were 55% from three. Caleb Fields with 22 points. He also had a career-high 13 assists in this game, which was the most for a Red Wolf since Dante Thomas had... 13 in a game back in December of 2016. You know, we say stuff a lot of times. We just throw it out there. And the day of social media, and there's no repercussion or usually for being wrong. But I remember saying, and I don't know if it was on here or if it was even publicly or just in conversation. Really, after watching this team, probably not even past those two exhibition games. It's all it took to say. I I remember telling people, I think Caleb Fields is going to lead the Sun Belt and assist in this offense. Yeah, well, he's doing it. By a lot. In conference play, it's a really wide margin. In fact, averaging three assists per game more than the the next guy (laughs) on that list. So Caleb having a phenomenal season. He wasn't the only guy that really stepped up in a big way on Saturday. Isaiah Nelson with his second straight double-double, third of the season and for his career. He had 16 points, 10 rebounds, and four block shots. He did that in 23 minutes. Zane Butler, how about him? The real story here. The Greene County Tech grad goes for a career-high 16 points. He did that in 16 minutes. And then Julian Lule, I thought, was a huge bright spot. Matched his career high with 14 points. And the Red Wolves go on to win it 95-80. to 80. They're now 6-5 and five in Sunbelt Conference play. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing that uh, if you uh, go up to Coach Hodson and the staff and say, hey, we're gonna, you're going to get 30 today from... Zane Butler and Julian Lule, they'll take their chances with that most times out. Yeah, yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, a quite a performance for those two guys. And you talk about leading by as many as 26 and, and never trailing and all that's true, but it wasn't like it didn't get moderately tense because, you know, that, I think that 20-point halftime lead got cut to 13 pretty early in the second half, yeah. early enough that you're like, oh, crap. Yeah, <laughs> you're thinking back to six days before that. But oh yeah, this time, uh, you know, Anch with another run, and quite honestly, it was uh, in the midst of that. To be honest, it was ULM that lost its composure. They did. They had a couple of technical fouls in the second half, including Keith Richard picking up a technical foul. But I brought it up with Coach Hodson after the game. I thought it was a key sequence during that stretch after they had kind of made their run. Isaiah Nelson had a huge block shot blocked it out of bounds, and as soon as they inbounded, Isaiah took a charge on the baseline. And I thought that was kind of a shift back in momentum toward the Red Wolves, and, well, he's playing some good ball right now. Yeah, and I heard uh, in the Southern Miss game what, what Coach had to say about the way he's playing and just the key kind of that next step in his progression is to be out there more. And the way you be out there more is make more plays without fouling. Yeah, and I mentioned he had double-doubles in the last two games, but he played 19 and 23 minutes in those games. Imagine what he could do in 30 or 35 well, just, minutes. I told you about Zane Butler. If you, he scored 16 points in 16 minutes. How's he not playing 35? <laughs> the uh, women also had a big week, a couple of really nice home wins. They defeated South Alabama on Wednesday to sweep the season series against the Jaguars. Izzy Higginbottom matching her career high with 35 points. She also had five assists and was 14 of 14 at the line. And Lauren Pendleton adding 19 in that contest. And 
you know, that was a South Alabama team you beat on the road. I know they've struggled in conference play to win, but you know, they were competitive and have been competitive throughout conference play. And guess what they did Saturday? They went down and won at Texas State. Got their first conference win. I mean, they had. They it was going to happen. They had been playing, and I, and I really, I came out of that game honestly, give them a lot of credit because it was a tight first half, and it, we come out and hit them with a run in the third quarter and get up fourteen. Nobody in the world is going to blame South Alabama, zero and nine in the league at the time, if they just kind of say, "Well, here we go again," and get beat thirty. And they didn't. They scratched and clawed and just hung in that thing and kind of took a late push to put it away. And I know the Red Bulls did not play as well overall uh, as the coaches would have hoped. There's kind of that whole thing we talk about where there's a difference between the outcome of the game and the performance in the game. And the outcome was what you wanted. The performance wasn't. And, uh, boy, they rectified that situation Saturday. Well, let's go to Saturday because – A-State took on a very good Old Dominion team. They were 15-5 and five going into that one, 7-3 and three in conference play. So you knew this was going to be a chore to try to beat the Monarchs. And A-State's down six at the half. But as we've talked about so many times in games that the Red Wolves have won this year on the women's side, they've come out strong to start the second half and have had some big third quarters. And they had a huge third quarter on Saturday. In fact, in that quarter, outscored Old Dominion 25-12, to and they go on to win 76-63. You know, and you know, probably a lot of people listen to this know, too, the, the affection I have for Arkansas State's women's basketball program just sort of holds a special place in my heart. All Arkansas State teams do, but this one does for sure. And uh, there's a couple of times this year that this bunch here has got me feeling old kind of ways. Uh, ways it felt back in the day and i'll be honest with you one of those was in a negative light after that loss to lafayette i was pretty ticked off i just thought that that was a game you didn't need to be losing um and i say that because saturday had me just as excited probably more so this was a really nice win not just for the win and i talked with coach des about this after the game the thing to me that was so exciting about this win is that there have been times this year where this team has won games and they've honestly just kind of beat other people at their game. Like right, Little Rock came in here and kind of played the game their way and just hit enough shots to beat them anyway. And Troy kind of played that game their way. Of course, we, kind of, we play a similar style, but it's so wide open. And you really had Troy beat at their game. You really had Lafayette beat at their game and ended up losing by one. Mm-hmm. And there's been other times where you've won games playing the other team's way. And the second quarter of this game, the first quarter was kind of Arkansas State's way, 1918 after a quarter. Because this is an Old Dominion team who's given up 57 points a game, number one scoring defense in the league, and basically top 25 in every defensive category that matters. Three point percentage defense, uh, turnovers, force per game, and steals yeah. a game. They're, all, they're top 25 in all those. Best defense in the league. So 1918 after a quarter, that's kind of Arkansas State's way. Second quarter comes out, we had two baskets, two for 10 from the floor in the second quarter, and down by six or whatever it is. It was completely played Old Dominion's way. And then come out in, a th- in not just the third quarter, not even just the start of the third quarter, but throughout the second half, and dictated the terms to Old Dominion. We're not going to beat you your way. We're going to beat you ours. 
And that's what was most exciting to me, to see this team finally come out and impose its will on somebody and to score 76 points on the best defense in the league. I wonder if they've allowed 47 and a half this year. Probably not. Now, you know, Marshall lit them up for 90, but I don't know what the split was there. But that was on the road, too. I mean, they'd only given up, even in road games, they'd only had people hit 60 on them four times before Saturday on the road so they were a really good defense and so to go out and do what this team did coach rogers kept calling it she said this is hump day she kept saying going into the game this is hump day and what she meant is this is the game we get over the hump this is the game we quit playing one of the top teams in the league a close game and this is the day we beat one of those teams and send a message and that's exactly what happened a couple of big individual performances in this game we'll mention anna griffin 21 points, seven rebounds. But 21 points is on seven of nine shooting from the three-point line. She was fantastic. The other performance coming from Izzy Higginbottom, 33 points for Izzy, her third straight game of 30 or more. She uh, was 19 of 20 from the foul line. She finally missed one late in the game on Saturday. But before she missed, she had broken her own Sunbelt Conference record for consecutive free throws made. She got to 53 in a row. So she ended last year with 46 and then hit the first six this season. That's where she had her run of 52 straight makes. And then, uh, yeah, got it up to 53 this time and had one. And even that one, it spun out on her. Is he leading the nation in free throws made? And she's ahead of a couple of pretty big names in the world of uh, women's yeah. basketball with Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese I mean, right, right below her. Those are the two biggest stars in the sport. And I would do you one better and say, I would tell you Caitlin Clark's the biggest star in college basketball period, regardless of gender. And uh, yeah, they're second and third on that list behind Izzy Higginbottom. Big win for the women. They're now 12 and nine on the year, six and five in conference play. We'll wrap things up right after this. At First National Bank, our mortgage lending team knows what it takes to make a home and a superior home loan process. Simple, proven, and reliable service with competitive rates at a bank that already feels like home. Since 1889, that's been the First National Bank way because for our people, this is home. Apply online at fnbank.net slash mortgage from our family to yours welcome home first national bank member fdic equal housing lender red wolves fans this is coach destiny rogers and i'm asking you to help our student athletes by donating to the impact club this is an organization that highlights our commitment to teamwork while raising awareness and support for our local community programs make a monthly commitment and get access to team letters special gear and exclusive access that you won't find anywhere else find out more and give today at impactclub.com that's impact spelled i-m P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support makes a real difference in the lives of our student athletes and in the future of our sports program. Wolves up. We welcome you back in one more time here on the Second to None podcast presented by First National Bank and by the Kavanaugh Auto Group. You can check out Kavanaugh's entire selection of new and pre-owned vehicles at KavanaughCars.com. Indoor track and field had a busy weekend. They were at a couple of different meets Friday and Saturday. Bunch of the track members were at the New Mexico Collegiate Classic. That was in Albuquerque. 
Hannes Fall setting the school record in the men's 800 meters. Cheyenne Melvin was the top collegiate finisher in the women's 800. And how about the season that Bradley Jelmer is having? He won the men's pole vault, and he has now won all four events he's participated in this season. He's four for four. We also had some athletes in Birmingham on Sunday at the South Alabama Jaguar Invitational. Jacob Lawrence winning the men's 3,000. That was the 10th best performance in school history. And now they go on to three different events this week. Indoor track and field will be at the Music City Challenge in Nashville, the David Henry Valentine Invitational in Boston, and the Bulldog Invitational in Birmingham. And those three meets are the final tune-ups before the Sunbelt Championships the following week. And usually, hey, I don't blame them that if somebody's hosting an event in Birmingham, you want to try to send some people there because that's where the conference meet is. So I'm not surprised that for two straight weekends, we've got some athletes headed to Birmingham to get in that complex for maybe some of the ones who haven't gone through that before. Tennis teams were home with a couple of matches this past weekend. They hosted Lindenwood on Friday, swept them seven matches to love. (laughs) And then they took on Butler on Sunday at Ridgepoint. Butler ended up winning four matches to two. Now, I went out there for a couple of hours on Sunday, took my girls out there, had a great time. Some really good, really intense matches. And if they would have played out the final match, our girl was up and it would have been 4-3. Yeah. That's the way it would have ended. But they ended it as soon as Somebody Butler, got the four points, Butler yeah. clinched that fourth point. But I tell you, I love watching our man Sujay Lama during these matches. He's so positive and encouraging with all these players and you could tell I mean they're playing hard and I was out there watching uh, Yasmeen who's one of our better players win her match and I was talking with Scott Roper who's very close to A-State Athletics and the tennis program in particular his daughter used to play there Hunter but uh, he was talking about how well they were playing and how how he's seen the progress that the tennis team has made under Coach Lama and said, hey, that's the best Yasmin's ever played. And she won a really, really fun match to watch on Sunday. Is there some fundamental stuff in that? Sure. But I think mostly it's a it's about just the energy. I think they feed off the energy Sujay brings to whatever he's doing. And, um, it made, yeah, he's made – it's paying instant dividends. Yeah, tennis team now 3-3 three and three on the year. Their next match will be on February 16th, another home match out at Ridgepoint. So they played, yeah, they played uh, 20, what was I think, either 20 or 24 matches last year. And this year it took them five to eclipse last season's win total. They got to three, yep. which is one more than a season ago. So love the way that tennis program is trending. And got to see our buddy Rebecca Brody play out there as well on Sunday. She was in action and, of course, really enjoyed our podcast visit with her yeah, last week. How, our, how did our uh, South Africa numbers look last week? I don't know. I haven't gone back and looked, but I feel confident it's record numbers from South Africa. do want to have a change of pace here and mention something that came up last week with somebody I know you and I know well from his time at Arkansas State, spent 20 years with the men's basketball program, Mm -hmm. 13 as the head coach. And I know he got on social media last week and announced that he was battling cancer, and that's former head coach Dickie Nutt. 
at halftime on Saturday during the men's game, we had Brandon Baxter. I know, obviously, you were extremely involved in making this happen. Brandon made the announcement to the crowd that, you know, we wanted to send Coach Nutt a video and just tell him we were all behind him. And I thought that was a really nice moment. And obviously, our thoughts and prayers are with Coach Nutt. Yeah, it was uh, my pleasure to be involved in that and to film it. And then uh, Saturday night when the game was over, to text it kind of you know, out of the blue to Coach Nutt. And uh, it did not take very long to get a response back. He was still with the Mizzou team because he was he was on the team plane. They'd played at Vanderbilt, and uh, he was they were on the plane back. And he replied back about what that uh, meant to him to get that, and uh, very appreciative as you'd expect. And yeah, obviously he's got still a lot of uh, friends and family around here, and a lot of people pulling for him. Speaking of uh, men's basketball, they're going to be back in action. A couple of big home games this week, including Wednesday night against James Madison. One of the better teams in the league coming in. If you haven't been out to First National Bank Arena this season to see this men's basketball team, well, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Come out because this is going to be a really fun game Wednesday at 7. Yeah, they're all big here down the stretch. And Gosh, we could do a whole segment here on this game Wednesday night. But you know, realistically, you, you and I know and people follow it, know that you know, this is on paper the, the best team that will probably come in here this season i'll be honest with you i mean personally and selfishly i was hoping they would still be undefeated and still be ranked when they got here because it doesn't make them any less good that they're not undefeated or not ranked anymore i wanted them toting that zero with them in here and a top 20 ranking that they had not very long ago good team here and we can talk about some of the other stuff that goes along with that in just a minute Another uh, good team coming in here on Saturday as part of the Sunbelt Mac Challenge. This is the second half of the challenge for this year. You know, the Red Wolves had gone up to Bowling Green back in November to play the first half. And now Ohio will be coming to Jonesboro Saturday at 2 at First National Bank Arena. And then uh, the women's team on the road for a couple of games this week. They'll be at Georgia State Wednesday at 530 and then at Akron Saturday at one. Yeah, how about the stretch for them? You know, the women just played last week their only two home games in a 10-game stretch. They went four-game road trip, the two games at home last week, and now they're four straight on the road again. And then they come home with four straight at home to end it. So it's a bit of a wonky schedule there. So be glad to get them back in a couple weeks. And then for the men, yeah, four home games left. They're all big in their own right. And then, um, you know, a lot of stuff going on Wednesday night. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably heard you can get two upper level tickets for seven dollars in case you're wondering kind of what the comparison is if you never bought that to just like to go buy that ticket it's a 13 dollar ticket you can get for three dollars and fifty cents two for seven because the game is on two seven two dollar hot dogs at the concession stand so if you had not had dinner yet you can get two dollar hot dogs wednesday night a lot of stuff going on good opponent team our team's playing well right now and like i said if, if you haven't got a chance to see them they certainly, uh, I think you've seen enough to know they play an exciting brand of basketball. I'm looking forward to a big crowd. I haven't even, go, I haven't gone back and looked, but I don't think it's any stretch at all. Matter of fact, I'd be disappointed without even looking to see what it's got to be. I'd be disappointed if Wednesday night's not the biggest crowd since COVID. And I don't think it's a real high bar to clear, quite honestly. I don't think so, but it sure would be great to have a huge crowd in there and get a big win over it good basketball team that would be a good springboard going into the rest of the season for brian hodson's team again seven o'clock the tip time wednesday night as the red wolves take on james madison and then home again saturday at two to take on ohio 
Really enjoyed our visit with Liam Hicks. Man, that was fun. Yep. Appreciate Caleb Garner for helping set that one up. Hope to see everybody out at First National Bank Arena this week. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.